ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد سناور ان ذا فورث ايفنت the fourth event from the six events of the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al-Mawdi'u al-Rabi'a Qissatu Abi Talib The fourth event is the story of Abu Talib. فَمَنْ فَهِمَهَا حَسَنًا وَتَأَمَّلَ إِقْرَارَهُ بِالتَّوْحِيدِ وَحَثُّ النَّاسِ عَلَيْهِ وَتَسْفِيهِ عُقُولِ الْمُشْرِكِينَ وَمَحَبَّتِهِ لِمَنْ أَسْلَمَ وَخَلَعَ شِرْكِ ثُمَّ بَذَلَ عُمْرَهُ وَمَالَهُ وَأَوْلَادَهُ وَعَشِيرَتَهُ فِي نُصْرَةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِلَىٰ أَمَّاتِ The story of Abu Talib and Abu Talib was one of the uncles of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. There were some uncles of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam who became Muslim. Examples are like who? Hamza, for example, radiallahu anhu, also. Abbas, radiallahu anhu. So these are examples of some of the uncles of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who became Muslims. Example of someone who did not become a Muslim and fought against the Prophet, sallallahu Example of someone who did not become Muslim and he fought against the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Abu Lahab. Okay. And an example of someone who did not become Muslim but but he did help the Prophet Sallallahu didn't fight against him. Abu Talib. So you can see the, the uncles of the Prophet ﷺ were different types. Some of them, they became Muslim, like Hamza and Abbas. Some of them did not become Muslim and they even fought against the Prophet ﷺ. Like Abu Lahab. And some of them didn't become Muslim, but they did help and aid the Prophet ﷺ like Abu Talib. So this story is regarding Abu Talib, the one who did not become Muslim, yet he did aid the Prophet ﷺ. Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab says that whoever 
understands the story of Abu Talib properly. And you see how Abu Talib even used to acknowledge Tawheed. He even used to acknowledge Tawheed. He even used to encourage people about Tawheed. Abu Talib. And he even used to say the Mushrikeen, they are upon stupidity, the religion of shirk. And he used to love the people who became Muslim and they abandoned shirk. And he spent all of his life and his money and his family, everything, aiding the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam all the way until he died. He carried on aiding the Prophet sallallahu all the way until he died. So Abu Talib, this is who he was. When did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam actually end up in the care of Abu Talib? Hmm. When who died? Abdul Muttalib. So initially it was Abdul Muttalib who was looking after the Prophet ﷺ after the Prophet ﷺ's parents died. Abdul Muttalib who was his grandfather. Then after he died, how old was the Prophet ﷺ at the time? Eight. So he was eight and his grandfather Abdul Muttalib died. So then who started looking after him? Abu Talib. So Abu Talib began looking after him from that young age. And he raised the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he took him into his own home. So Abu Talib was looking after the Prophet ﷺ from a very young age. Then when Allah sent the Prophet as a messenger, when Allah gave the revelation, to the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet ﷺ became a Prophet. Did Abu Talib's attitude change all of a sudden? Remember, the Prophet ﷺ, up until the age of 40 was not a Prophet. And Abu Talib was with him all that time. When he became a Prophet at the age of 40, did Abu Talib change his attitude and abandon him? He didn't. Even after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam became a prophet, Abu Talib carried on defending him, carried on helping him, carried on supporting him, carried on. Even though the prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam was now calling to Tawheed and warning against shirk, warning against the religion of Abu Talib, and the religion of their forefathers. Yet Abu Talib carried on defending him, carried on protecting him. And as a consequence, Abu Talib himself 
ended up facing some of the difficulties from the mushrikeen. Abu Talib himself ended up facing difficulties from the mushrikeen, hardships against him from the mushrikeen because he was defending the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Abu Talib put himself into danger. Abu Talib, even though he was a mushrik, not upon the religion of Islam, he carried on defending the Prophet ﷺ and put himself in danger by doing that. He put himself in danger by doing that. Even to the extent that they were cut off. They were cut off and their provisions were cut off. They had no supplies. The mushrikeen wouldn't allow any supplies to get to them. And they faced all of this hardship, Abu Talib included along with the Prophet And Abu Talib, he remained patient upon all of that. Imagine, he wasn't even Muslim. He was still a kafir. And he was defending the Prophet and he remained patient upon the defense of the Prophet It is even mentioned, Ibn Kathir mentioned it in his famous book Al-Bidaya wa Nihaya that Abu Talib wrote some poetry accepting that Muhammad is right. In those poet, uh, in that poetry, he said, "لَقَدْ عَلِمْتُ بِأَنَّ دِينَ مُحَمَّدٍ مِنْ خَيْرِ أَدْيَانِ الْبَرِيَّةِ دِينًا لَوْلَا الْمَلَامَةُ أَوْ حِذَارَ مَسْحَبَةٍ لَرَأَيْتَنِي سَمْحًا بِذَلِكَ مُبِينًا." He said, "I know." Abu Talib said, "It is attributed to him this poetry." He said, "I know that the religion of Muhammad." I know that the religion of Muhammad is the best of all of the religions of mankind. I know that the religion of Muhammad is the best of all of the religions of mankind. And was it not, was it not for the blameworthiness and the fear of abusing our forefathers etc. Then you would have seen me more approachable to Islam you would have seen me basically accepting Islam so he said it's because he fears blameworthiness that he is leaving the religion of his father leaving the religion of his forefathers of his grandfathers he felt guilty and he felt blameworthiness and he felt like he would be abusing and insulting his forefathers if he abandoned their religion. So he said just because of those things, he's not accepting. But was it not due to those things, he would have accepted Islam. He was accepting it is the best religion. He was accepting that Muhammad is right. So he believed in all of that. He believed that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. Abu Talib believed that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah and that Muhammad is truthful in his 
message in his messengership and the only thing that stopped him from becoming a Muslim was he thought it would be an insult to his forefathers to abandon their religion. He thought he would be insulting his forefathers by turning his back on the religion of shirk and going to Tawheed. And so he didn't do it due to this type of nationalism you could think his nationalism his allegiance to his tribe and his people and his religion from old the religion of his forefathers he had this loyalty and he didn't want to break off that loyalty he thought it would be an insult to his forefathers if he broke off that loyalty so he didn't accept even though he knew and he accepted that muhammad was true and he was right and he was a messenger so look at this, look at how Abu Talib was. All of this that he did, defending and supporting and aiding the Prophet Even he ended up getting punished and abused by the Kuffar, even though he was a Kafir himself. He got abused and punished by the Kuffar, the Mushrikeen, because he carried on defending the Prophet Then, when death when death came upon the prophet sallallahu alayhi upon the uncle abu talib when death came upon abu talib thumma lamma hadaratu alwafa jaa'ahu an-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wasallam when death came upon abu talib Abu Talib was now on his deathbed at the final stages of his life. When he was on his deathbed, who came to visit him? Who came to visit him? So the Prophet ﷺ came to visit him and who else was already there when the Prophet ﷺ came to visit Abu Talib on his deathbed? Who were they generally? They were from the Mushrikeen. A couple of the Mushrikeen were there. A couple of the Mushrikeen, Abu Jahl, and another one from Bani Makhzum. A couple of the Mushrikeen were there. Why were the Mushrikeen there? They were there because Abu Talib was dying. He was dying on his deathbed. So they were there visiting him to make sure that he dies upon kufr. That's what happened in the end. Because when the Prophet ﷺ went, what did he say to his uncle Abu Talib? He said to his uncle, because remember Abu Talib, had he become Muslim? He hadn't become Muslim even now. He was about to die. So the Prophet ﷺ said to him, O oh uncle, Ya Am, say La ilaha illallah. Oh my uncle, say La ilaha illallah. 
كَلِمَةً أُحَاجُ لَكَ بِهَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ It will be a statement that I will be able to testify for you on the day of judgment with. Say لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ before you die. So why was the Prophet telling him this? Why? Yeah, but why? obvious reason to save him from the hellfire if Abu Talib dies without accepting what's going to happen he'll go to hellfire so the Prophet came the Prophet came to Abu Talib whilst he was on his deathbed to try to convince him die as a Muslim, don't die as a kafir. Die as a Muslim, don't die as a kafir. So he said to him, Ya Am, O oh my uncle, Qul la ilaha illallah, say la ilaha illallah, say the shahada, die upon tawheed, die upon the shahada. So then, when the Prophet said that, what happened next? What did the two mushrikun do? They said to him, Are you going to die upon a religion other than the religion of your forefathers? Are you going to leave the religion of your forefathers, your father, your grandfather? Are you going to turn your back on their religion, the religion they brought you up upon? The religion they raised you upon, you and all of your family and your tribe and everyone. Are you going to turn your back on that? You're going to turn your back on the religion of all of the forefathers, what they were upon? So when the Prophet ﷺ heard that, he heard that the mushrikeen were trying to convince Abu Talib to stay as a To stay as a, the mushrikeen wanted him to stay as mushrik. They were trying to convince him to stay as a mushrik and die as a mushrik. So when the Prophet ﷺ heard them doing that, when he heard them doing that, what did he repeat to Abu Talib? He said to Abu Talib again, Say la ilaha illallah. He repeated it to Abu Talib, Say la ilaha illallah. So he was trying to convince him, don't listen to them. Don't listen to the mushrikeen. Don't die upon shirk. Forget them. Say la ilaha illallah. Die as a Muslim. And then you'll be able to be saved in the hereafter. In the end, this carried on happening. The mushrikeen were saying to him, stay as a mushrik. Don't leave the religion of your forefathers. The Prophet ﷺ was telling him, no, say la ilaha illallah and die as a Muslim. In the end, Abu Talib did which one? Did he say la ilaha illallah and die as a Muslim? Or did he not say it 
and carry on as a mushrik and die as a kafir. He did not say it. He did not say the shahada. He did not accept it. And he died as a kafir. Died as a disbeliever. And that was the last thing that Abu Talib said. That he is staying on the religion of Abdul Muttalib. The religion of his forefathers. Then the Prophet said, I will seek forgiveness for you. The Prophet said after Abu Talib died, I will seek forgiveness for you as long as I'm not prevented from doing that. As long as it's allowed, I will seek forgiveness for you. But is it allowed to seek forgiveness for the mushrikeen? Allah mentioned in the Quran, مَا كَانَ لِلنَّبِيِّ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَنْ يَسْتَغْفِرُوا لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ وَلَوْ كَانُوا أُولِي قُرْبَى مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُمْ أَصْحَابُ الْجَحِيمِ Allah revealed the ayah that it is not for the Prophet. It is not for the Prophet or the people who believe, the believers, to seek forgiveness for the mushrikeen. Even if those mushrikeen are relatives and near people to you. You cannot seek forgiveness for them after they die. Once it becomes clear to you that those people are people of the hellfire. If a person dies upon shirk, then you know this person is a person of the hellfire. He dies upon shirk, openly proclaiming to be upon shirk, never accepting Islam, then you can't seek forgiveness for those people after they die. So this ayah was revealed, it is not allowed to seek forgiveness for the mushrikeen. Then Allah also revealed the ayah, إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَبْتِ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ يَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَهُوَ أَعْلَمُ بِالْمُهْتَدِينَ Indeed, you cannot guide whom you love. You cannot guide whom you love. But you guide, or but Allah is the one who guides who he wills. You cannot guide who you love, but Allah is the one who guides. What does this ayah mean? The Prophet ﷺ, did he want to guide Abu Talib or not? Did he love that Abu Talib should become a Muslim? He did. But did Abu Talib accept that? Did he become guided? No. So guidance is not in our control. We cannot guide who we want. Because we know that guidance is two types. What are the two types of guidance? What are the two types of guidance? One type of guidance is like a general type of guidance. Hidayatu ad-dilala wal-irshad. Where you show people the right from the wrong, you show them tawheed from shirk, sunnah from bid'ah, light from dark. You show the people. That is a general type of guidance. All the prophets and messengers did that. We can all do that. Show people the truth, warn them against the wrong. We can all do that. But will everybody accept what you tell them? When you tell them about tawheed and you warn them against shirk, you have given them the general guidance. But will they accept it definitely or not? You don't know. 
Some people may accept, some people may not. So you can give the general guidance. But will people accept it from you or not? That's not up to you. That's up to whom Allah wishes. If Allah wishes to open up the heart of a person and he accepts, then the person will accept. But if Allah decrees that a person doesn't accept, then he doesn't accept. So that acceptance, that is a type of guidance that we can't give. That is only from Allah. Allah gives the guidance to the hearts for which ones will accept and which ones will not. That type of guidance known as Hidayatul Tawfiq, that is from Allah. So there are two types of guidance. There is the guidance of Dalala wal Irshad. You could say like the general type of guidance that all the prophets and messengers gave. They explained Tawheed, they warned against Shirk. To explain Sunnah, to warn against Bid'ah. That is the general guidance we can all give. But then the inner guidance, the Tawfiq, does a person accept or not? That is down to whom Allah wills, accepts, and whom Allah does not will, does not accept. So here the Prophet ﷺ gave the first type of guidance to Abu Talib. But did he accept? He did not. The inner guidance did not occur for him. So what's the point of this story? What's the benefit and what do we want to learn from this story? Why did Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah ta'ala put this story in the six events? Remember, remember this seerah book, all these stories are connected to aqidah. So what is the benefit of aqidah from this? What is the benefit of aqidah from this? Anyone? What aqidah benefit can we take from the story of Abu Talib? But how? Abu Talib did not remain firm. He did not even accept. The benefit, as Sheikh Al-Fawzan says, فَدَلَّ هَذَا عَلَىٰ أَنَّ مَدْحَ الْإِسْلَامِ وَمَدْحَ الرَّسُولِ وَاعْتِقَادْ أَنَّ الْإِسْلَامَ حَقِّ وَأَنَّ الرَّسُولَ حَقِّ مِنْ غَيْرِ اتِّبَاعٍ لِلرَّسُولِ أَنَّ ذَلِكَ لَا يَنْفَعْ Believing or praising Islam and praising the messenger, which Abu Talib did, correct? He used to praise Islam and he used to praise the messenger. And believing that Islam is true. Did Abu Talib believe Islam is true? He did. And believing that the Prophet ﷺ has come with the true revelation. Did Abu Talib believe that? He did. He believed all of those things. But did he actually follow Islam? He believed all of those things, but did he actually accept Islam though? Did he practice Islam, accept Islam, even though he believed in all of those things? He didn't. So in the end, where will he end up now? In the hellfire? Even though he used to praise Islam, even though he used to praise the messenger, 
He used to believe Islam is the truth. He used to believe the messengership of the Prophet ﷺ is truth. He used to defend the Prophet ﷺ, used to protect the Prophet ﷺ, even faced harm himself from the mushrikeen because he defended the Prophet ﷺ. All of that he did. But because he never actually accepted Islam, none of that will benefit him. If you don't accept Islam, you can praise Islam as much as you want. If you don't accept it, it doesn't benefit you. And the person will be in the hellfire. Because if not becoming Muslim, but just praising Islam and praising the messenger and those types of things were beneficial, then Abu Talib would have benefited. He didn't benefit at all. He will still be in the hellfire. وَأَنَّهُ لَا بُدَّ مِنِ اتِّبَاعِ الرَّسُولِ سَأَسَلَّمْ لِأَنَّ هَذَا لَوْ كَانَ يَنْفَعْ لَنَفَعَ أَبَا طَالِبٍ فَإِنَّ الْإِقْرَارَ بِأَنَّ الْإِسْلَامَ حَقٍ وَأَنَّ الرَّسُولَ صَادِقٍ So to accept that Islam is the truth and the messenger is truthful مع المدافعة عن الإسلام وحماية للإسلام and to defend and to protect Islam as Abu Talib did. None of this will benefit you unless you actually follow the religion. None of that will benefit you unless you actually follow the religion, practice the religion, accept the religion. No point just praising it and saying Muhammad is true if you're not going to practice Islam. وَإِلَّا فَإِنَّ النَّبِيَ سَأَسَلَّمْ يَقُولْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُؤَيِّدُ هَذَا الدِّينَ بِالرَّجُلِ الْفَاجِرِ Sometimes Allah may aid this religion even through somebody corrupt. Abu Talib, is he corrupt or not? He's corrupt, he's a mushrik. Yet, through Abu Talib, this religion was defended. It was aided. فَلَا بُدَّ مِنَ الْاتِّبَاعِ فَلَا بُدَّ مِنَ الْاتِّبَاعِ So the one thing that is a necessity... Is to follow, to follow the religion, not just praise it. فَلَا تَنْفَعْ الْمُعَاوَنَةَ وَالْمَدْحَ وَالْحِمَايَةَ لِلْإِسْلَامِ وَغَيْرِ ذَلِكَ. So it won't benefit you if you're just praising Islam, even defending Islam, even defending it won't benefit you if you're not actually accepting it. وَلَا الْقُرَابَةَ مِنَ الرَّسُولِ أَسْلَمَ بِدُونِ التِّبَاعٍ لَهُ and even being a relative of the Prophet ﷺ is no benefit. Abu Talib was the blood uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, yet he will be in the hellfire. So being a relative doesn't help. If you're not practicing Islam, being a relative doesn't help. All these people out there these days, they say they're from the family of the Prophet ﷺ. Even if they say that, if they're not practicing Islam, they're not on the right aqidah, they're not upon the sunnah, they can keep saying that all their life, it doesn't benefit them. It is practicing the religion, implementing it. فَلَمَّا مَاتَ عَلَى الْكُفْرِ لَمْ يَنْفَعْهُ الرَّسُولَ سَلَّمْ بِإِخْرَاجِهِ مِنَ النَّارِ رَغْمَ الْمُحَاوَلَةِ So when Abu Talib died as a kafir, there was nothing that could be done. The Prophet couldn't save him from the hellfire now. There was no way to get Abu Talib out of the hellfire. He died as a kafir. So the Prophet couldn't help him then. And he was prohibited from making forgiveness for Abu Talib. He was prohibited from seeking forgiveness for Abu Talib. One thing that did happen though was the Prophet ﷺ made an intercession to make Abu Talib's punishment lighter. 
So it was made lighter in the hellfire, but he's still in the hellfire being punished in the hellfire. And Abu Talib will still feel that as the worst punishment with his shoes, his feet on fire and his brain is boiling from the heat. He will think this is the worst punishment. فَهَذَا يَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ مَدْحَ الْإِسْلَامِ So this indicates that praising Islam etc. doesn't benefit you if you're not going to be practicing it. So as Shaykh Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab says, ثُمَّ صَبْرُهُ عَلَىٰ الْمَشَقَّةَ الْعَظِيمَةَ وَالْعَدَاوَةَ الْبَالِغَةَ Abu Talib he was patient upon all of those difficulties and the enmity of the mushrikeen against them. لَكِنْ لَمَّا لَمْ يَدْخُلْ فِيهِ وَلَمْ يَتَبَرَّأَ مِنْ دِينِهِ but because he never rejected his religion of shirk and he carried on upon it, uh, uh, this person therefore Abu Talib did not become a Muslim. He was giving the excuse that it would be an insult to their forefathers, but that excuse doesn't give you any uh, weight. That excuse doesn't give you any justification. ثُمَّ مَعَ قُرَابَتِهِ وَنُصْرَتِهِ اِسْتَغْفَرَ لَهُ رَسُولَ سَلَّمْ فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَلَيْهِ And so because Abu Talib was the blood uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ sought forgiveness for him, but then the ayah was revealed. You cannot see forgiveness for the mushrikeen. So even for Abu Talib, after everything he did, after everything he did, still no forgiveness for him. Hellfire. So this is a very important point in Aqidah. And that important point is to highlight that a person must be practicing the religion of Islam. Accept the religion of Islam. Not just say, I know you're supposed to be praying, I know you're supposed to be doing good things, but I just can't be bothered. That won't be an excuse for you. You'll be punished for it. Punished for not praying or you'll be threatened with the punishment of it. So you cannot make excuses like that. I know it's good and I know you're supposed to pray but then not bother doing it. You have to actually do it. You have to accept it. You have to practice it. So this indicates that a person cannot just claim to have love and to defend the truth. It's not just about claiming to have love and to defend the truth. You need to be upon the truth yourself. Abu Talib, he defended the truth. He defended the Prophet ﷺ. But he was not upon the truth himself. He refused to accept in the end. So everything he did in his life, it won't benefit him. He will still be in the hellfire. So a person needs to be aware of this. The shahada isn't just to say la ilaha illallah it is to say it and it is to understand it and it is to practice it you can't just say la ilaha illallah and then go do shirk and then say but i say la ilaha illallah you have to say it and you have to practice it you have to understand what tawheed is that is the purpose the sheikh wants to highlight from this particular event from the seerah so if there's any questions on that the next event event number five will begin the next time insha'Allah